Okay, listeners, you're very welcome back to the third, uh, third episode in this podcast series, Behind the White Line. First of all, I'd just like to say thanks to everyone for listening to the last episode. Uh, with the Baca, we got lots of great uh, chat, lots of great messages. Fellas coming up to us in town, congratulating us and saying, keep it going, we're really enjoying the content. Uh, so I suppose the reason why we want to do this episode, we're, so we have a great guest with us today. We have Willie Staunton, right? All-Ireland winner in rugby, okay? Junior rugby. Uh, we're out here on the hill in Kilfiekel, okay? We actually met Johnny Luby this morning. He was out doing the corner flags and uh, the sun is splitting the rocks. So hopefully they have, a, they have a good game or a good day out today against Sunday as well. Um, but I suppose, yeah, the reason we want to do this one, guys, is it's raising the bar, right? There's lots of teams there that are, uh, I suppose, in whatever league they're in or they're, they're kind of without silverware for a few years and they're just tipping away every season. And you know the way the crack goes, right? You start a new season. Oh, we're going to do an extra bit of fitness this year. We're going to get a new coach. We're going to have a new playing style. We're going to maybe chance fellas in different positions. Or we're going to do whatever it takes to kind of get over the line and raise the bar. But it's the same crack in a season after season. And you're just kind of after hitting the wall. I suppose even my own club, I, I give an example, maybe the Rovers there in the GA. I mean, they're probably... There probably was a season over a season or two over the last maybe you know a couple of years where they could have got over the line. Now they probably weren't the best team every year in, in, in the group or whatever, but there definitely was a season or two I'd say that went past them that they could have got over the line, maybe snuck through. Okay. So what we're looking to get out of Willie today is the secret sauce, all right? What it takes to raise the bar, get over the line and go that extra bit, which he definitely did in 2019 and 20 with winning the All Ireland. So, without further ado, I'm, as I said, I'm here at Willie Staunton, right? Captain, uh, or player, coach, uh, number 10, out half, fly half, whatever, whatever name you give to that position, uh, with Kid Fiegel Rugby Club. And he's just going to give us a little bit of an introduction on, I suppose, why rugby, his love of rugby, uh, maybe when he started, uh, take us through his career a little bit, any major wins or, or trophies he won or good or teams he played with, and kind of bring us right up to date to today yeah and uh 21 22 season so cheers willie thanks very much for joining in and uh over to you cheers lads thanks for having me uh great to see a local podcast up and running giving visibility to i suppose all sports across uh tipperary um about myself i suppose started when i was about five or six my parents were coaching down in galbally you'd know it well um local club and i suppose i was there till about under 11s 12s went to st munchens in limerick boarding school for rugby. Um was only 12 years of age going in in first year, so I was uh, I was pretty small and it was a bit of an eye-opener going in boarding. Uh, but that's where the love really kicked on as well. Did, sorry, I would have, did you play a little bit with uh, Conor Murray then in school? Or no, he was... A little bit older, would you? He was, I think, three years behind me because I was so young going okay. in. Okay. Um, that was a good team, Murray yeah. and Earls and stuff in Munson's. Um, yeah. And then I suppose I went into Gary Owen then after that and was playing 20s and then kicked on with Gary Owen, played a bit of senior, won a few trophies with them as kind of as a squad member. Yeah. But it was massive learnings as a, as a young fella. And then went down to Young Monsters then for a couple of years with Mike Prendergast, he was the coach. Um, and then it was through 2008, nine recession hit. So yeah. a lot of us had to pack up and leave. Yeah. Uh, got my degree and I actually got a job in Dublin and I ended up playing with Terry Newer for about 18 months and then back to Limerick. As you know from this podcast, I have a few clubs to my name. Um, yeah. But that's the joys of it. Uh, plenty of friends from all of them. And then was in your months for a couple of years and went up to Belvo uh, in Dublin again. Had to go back up for work. And then went out to Navan for two years. A previous teammate, Alan Kingsley, asked me to come out for, ended up playing two years and we got back-to-back promotions there. And then 
come down to Kilfiekel and here I am, uh, player coach at Kilfiekel for the last, since 2019, and loving it. Yeah. That's, that's brilliant, and obviously you've some massive experience there, all big names, I mean there's people listening to morning will recognise all those names and all those clubs that you played for in Limerick and, and in Dublin or whatever, but um, cheers for that anyway, but uh, look, we like to link up the podcast a little bit, so we like to kind of maybe ask the person on, on, the next, on this episode a question from the last episode, so I think Danny was going to pose the first question there, so will you, right? Yeah, so Willie, thanks for joining us on the podcast this morning, yeah. um, as Fergal said, we're out in the hill in Kilfiegel, we're actually sitting in the gym now at the moment, <laughs> but yesterday myself, uh, Fergal and Dick, we had a chat about what topic we'd like to maybe bring up, and anyone will hear what you just said there now about uh, your experience and the clubs you've played with. So the question that we want to um, ask you today, it was a hot topic on the social media last week, was when do you think is the best time to name a team? So the, just before we go to the topic, the, the, on the social media we had 15 minutes before the match or a day before the match. Mm. Now, you have lots of experience, so yeah. when do you feel like is the, is the best time? I, I listened to the last two podcasts, I listened to Baca's one about um, announcing that I think he's 15 minutes before the game. Yeah. Um, for me, playing rugby since I think 2006, I made my debut for Gary Owen, it's always the Thursday night, we train Tuesdays, Thursdays, and it's something in Kilfiekel that we didn't do, we announced it before the game, we gave lads the, the jerseys for the warm-up, but this year we've kind of changed that mindset, we're letting them know on the Thursday night. And, and the reason I say it is something that I'm used to is, I find if... A fella has to prepare mentally, yeah. like, and you can have 22 lads talking out against like Sunday as well today, but you might have two or three others that are hoping to get on, thinking they're starting, and then you turn around and say you don't get a jersey. And I think that brings down the mood, and fellas might throw the ties out of the pram a bit, and then your warm-up kind of might suffer a bit, and there's a bit of a bad buzz. Yeah. Whereas if you tell them on a, on a Thursday night, you announce the team, this is the squad, fellas have time to kind of have it out with you. They can say, why aren't I selected? And, well, you didn't do this, this, and this. And at least it gives the time, the Friday to digest it and calm down and we're back on the horse the following Tuesday. But for me, it's it's this season with us at Kilfiekel as well, it's non-negotiable. Every Thursday night, I want to respect the lads. We're amateurs at the end of the day. I don't want to have bring 24 to Sunday as well today and fellas might have a wedding or they might have to go away for a weekend. I want to respect that as well because it's a long season. I don't want fellas losing the rag in September with me because they thought they were starting, yet they're not. They're not even in the squad. So I do want to give fellas enough time to prepare. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, and I kind of mentioned that last week. Look, Baca was very, you know, gung-ho on his own opinion on it and stuff like that, and that was fine. And, like, what's interesting about this is it's, it's a grey area. It's not black and white. And uh, I kind of agreed with a lot of what Baca said, but from a rugby point of view, I've been involved with rugby teams as well, and it is all as a Thursday night. And I like what you said there. It kind of gives you that thinking time, as I described it, that time to kind of get over it mm. if you're not playing. And it is interesting that uh, you did actually decide to change it yeah. and actually go back then to the Thursday night. Yeah, because I came in first in Kilfiekel and I was a young coach and I was kind of new to it and was getting to know the vibe and the culture or what, way, what, what works. Yeah. And we just went along with it because it was always the case. Because Kilfiekel, I'm trying to describe it, my father always says it, they're a great club. We're kind of a, a GA club playing rugby. That's the mentality. Everyone wants to do well for the club. It's a small Paris, it's all volunteer. Yeah, that is what it's like. It yeah. is, it's yeah. really good. So, but we're trying to try and change that mindset and trying to build an ethos and a culture going forward that we respect the lads, we let them know early in time. And then, like, if a fella comes to me on a Thursday night at eight or nine o'clock, I'm not selected. I'll give him what he's to work on. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? The, the, tra- the window's open again next Tuesday night training. You're back on yeah. the horse. You have an opportunity for next week. And that's happened through the year. Fellas do well on a Tuesday night. They might have played the week before, but they're back in. Yeah. And I just think that's 
That's the way we want to go forward. And it gives you your time to kind of go, right, he's told you on Thursday, you say, I'll text you tomorrow, and you can go through your thought process and kind of go, here's where I feel you're, you're letting us, or not letting us down, but where you need to improve on. So, yeah, it gives everyone thinking time, yeah. I think. So, you were going to chat there, Burnsy, you had a, an interesting question. Obviously, Willie's a player, and we'll go into Willie as a player, but we kind of wanted to focus on, I mean, this is a coaching a podcast uh, at its heart. So we want to look at coaching in a little bit more detail. So did you want to fire away there, Burnsy? Yeah, just as you were saying there, Willie, that you're well-travelled and all yeah. the rest of it. And um, just your, your coaching influences, your coaching style, I suppose, when did you kind of say, yeah, I'd like to go down the coaching road? Do you know, it's a good question, Burnsy. I guess when you're a young fella training, and you know this yourselves, as you never really take any notice of the coaching style and the coaching dynamic when you're young. And then when you're a bit older, like I am now, I'm in my 30s, I really wish I listened and wrote down stuff from my good coaches back in the day because now you're trying into the deep end and you're like, right. So coaching style is something that's worked for me with the teams that we've won. In Every club I've been to, we've won something. And the dynamic has always been, it's been player driven. Yeah. And we have a big ethos here in Clifica, let the players drive it. Yeah. I'd always reach out to some of the senior members in the squad for feedback. What's the vibe like? What do we think of this play we're going to do the weekend? Because I don't want to train robots, yeah. you know? And like you watch professional rugby at the moment and there's a lot of robotic play. It is. Like yeah. they want to be able to control what they're doing for 10 phases. Whereas I'm like, if I have a good a winger like or a good back row fella, and we're called a move, but he can go outside that if he sees something. Yeah. You want to train the fellas to be able to make the decision for themselves. So you're opening up the door for the player maybe to yeah. express themselves Give as well. Give him a framework. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have the fundamental skills that he can pass left, pass right, he can make decisions under pressure. And we have a play that we're called, but if he sees something else, you back him to do that. And that's why we're very player driven. Um, style perspective, yeah, we have an open door policy. Like if, if a young fella comes to me, like some of the lads would send me moves. Australia played South Africa this morning. Yeah. I might get a, a video tonight of a move they did. Could we do it? That's an open door policy. That's what yeah, I yeah. encourage. You know, yeah. I, I don't know it all. Yeah. I'm young, I'm learning. Uh, and they're well able to tell me, like, you know, they're a good yeah. honest bunch that they tell you if they didn't like something. And that's the way I'd like it. Um, in terms of like coaches, do you want me to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who would you kind of look at and say Jesus? Like I hate saying it because he's he's kind of he's kind of high up in the radar. Mike Prendergast is with Racing ninety two yeah, at the yeah, moment yeah. in France, yeah. and he brought me to your monsters in two thousand nine. And it's from then on when you're starting to get that bit older. I was twenty four, twenty five. You'd see the detail he brought it. Everything was planned, yeah. precision for training. Seven o'clock, we knew what we were doing. He'd explain to us what we we're doing for the whole lot. Players would give our feedback after every drill. Yeah, that was good, it was bad. And it was so detailed. Every time we went out on a Thursday night to play a game for playing at Clantarf or Lansdowne in Dublin, he'd have a specific strategy for every week. And it was just so, it was intense, but you just soaked up so much knowledge from it. And that's, it, you have to be careful as well. To, you don't want to, my lads, you don't want to overpower them, overcome yeah. them with a lot of detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have yeah, to pick yeah. and choose what yeah. you want to give them. And, Look, it's, it's, it's working so far, you could say. Yeah, yeah no, I think, that, like, yeah, rugby, I suppose, where I was listening to the podcast there last week, uh, Paddy Andrews and Andy Moore and, and Off the Ball and, and, and Mayo talk about a lot, being comfortable in the chaos and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think um, Stuart Lancaster as well mm. says it as well, as about that being comfortable in the chaos. But I do like that approach where, look, this is our baseline framework. Yeah. Uh, and you need to be able to dip into it, but also dip out of it. But when you've dipped out of it, you need to be able to dip back into yep. the framework as well. And I think that's what's hard in rugby boys is, you know, you can have a style where we're going to be really prescribed and this is what we're doing, or you could have a comfortable and chaos style. Yeah. But that kind of happy medium that you're on about there, that dipping in, dipping out, and then, right, it's gone a bit mad, we're going back to the structure. That's, mm. And that's, the ability, that's a really hard skill to be able to, 
play a bit of mad stuff, but also play the structure at the same time. And uh, that just comes with, I suppose, players playing around each other the whole time and be comfortable in knowing what they're doing. And it's like you said, that detail. So you need to know the detail. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's fantastic. That's really good stuff. Um, so Burnsy, did you want to chat about your own coaching style? Like you're obviously out there now with a, a younger players. Yeah. Do, do you think in terms of coaching and, and managing, is it different for older players, senior players to younger players? Or? Yeah, I think, like as Willie was saying, I think you try to put the structures in place. You can talk about player-driven all you want, but you also have to give them the, the tools the knowledge, yeah. And the knowledge to allow them to the players to develop and whatever. Do you know? So you can't just go into a group and say, Right, I want this player late without maybe even explaining it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think that that's very important. I, I think as Willie was saying, not bombarding especially young lads with information. I think there's a lot to be said for maybe doing the same warm up every yeah. year or every night you do it, that you're just going into a game, they know what they're doing. Do you know what so I mean? that's another. What's your? How do you feel about warm ups? Do you think they should be long, yeah. short? Because I heard before Barcelona do a fifteen minute warm up. That's all they do, fifteen minutes. And you said it last week when a warm day, you went out and you're like, I know it was a warm day, so it was it was dependent on the match. But you just like, we do a quick thing. Are you big into big warm ups, short warm ups? Do you what, what way do you go about that? It's it's changed from a pressing point of view. It was always 45, 50 minutes. Yeah. And if you want Munster or Leinster now, they're out. It. If there's a game at three o'clock, they're out at half two, thirty minutes less even individual stuff and then they ramp it up, ramp it up and then they're ready to go. Mm. Like for us at the moment, we're about 40 minutes because it's early, it's pre-season still. Yeah. Right. We're trying to get out, get our line sorted, get everything sorted. But realistically, we ramp up the warm up for a high intensity 20 minutes. Do you know? And yeah. that kind of comes from training as well. That's just the point that I bring up is yeah. like, the lads come here for half seven. We're trying to get off the field for half eight, quarter to nine. 50 minutes, 55 minutes of a high intensity session, trying to replicate what we do in a game is very yeah. important. I don't want to bring lads out here for a half, an hour and a half, two hours, because it's just concentration, it's a long evening, it's nine o'clock, it's dark. Like, if you can get a good hour out of people, and that's just, look, it's worked for us. It might suit everyone, but it definitely works for us. In terms of warm-ups, again, we will sort them throughout the year, uh, and it'll be a lot more high intensity, and we do a bit of contact in, five minutes before we go, heart rate's up, and you're ready to go for contact. I think that's brilliant. That's brilliant I, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, early on in the season, because you're still not aware of the moves, yep. you need to spend a little more time. I've always found rugby warm-ups really long, to be honest yeah. with you. But it's compared to other sports, it literally fit. You go out, you, 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 do your, you do your bit of handling drills, you play or get a little bit of touch, you, you do your moves and you, you do your bit of contact. It's long, like. I think with a warm-up, though, I think sometimes you really do have to be kind of just raise the concentration more yeah. than anything. Sometimes you can be over-taught and you go out there and you're, you're running like mad and getting yeah. your heart rate up and trying to get your second wind if you want. Yeah. But what's important is, like you said, just go out, Get the heart rate up towards you before you come back in. Yeah. Then lads are ready. Jerseys on and they're gone. Yeah, it, it's it's worked for us because concentration is a big thing. Like lads can switch off easily because for whatever reasons. But like that last ten minutes, you're ramping up. You're into your team plays. You're hitting the pads. You're going live with each other for a few minutes, and you're in. And for us, a big methodology was good start, quick start. Yeah. Get yeah. into the game early because sometimes you can be left wondering. You're scratching. Like okay, we're ten points down. What's happened? Yeah. That's all, and it's all back to our warmers. We know we're in zone if we have a good warm. I think uh, the best one I ever heard was um, Wexford when they won the All Ireland in '96 in the hurling. They actually did a traffic lights. So like, do you know, you, have, you might have lads nervous before games. So mm. you go out onto the field. We're still at red. We're still at yeah, red. Yeah, that's cool. Then as you're going on, you're going to amber. Yeah. You're going to amber, and just the minute the ball is thrown in, right, we're green. We're yeah. ready to go. So maybe it takes the kind of nervousness and uh, the edge out of lads. Yeah. You know, right here, look, I can. I have another ten minutes just to set myself or whatever it is. So yeah. 
Willie, you've been part of a lot of setups, and I'm sure you go, you, you've, you, as a coach, you've heard this word thrown around a lot: culture, culture, culture. Right? What does, what, what does? I mean, it's look, it's one of these things. I've listened to a couple of, uh, I've been at a couple of webinars over the during the lockdown, and if, if, if with the SRU, I do a bit of coaching over in Scotland when I when I was teaching over there, and we had ones with. Chris Patterson and all the rest. I'm name dropping now, but whatever. The, the whole point of view is that, or the whole idea is that you hear this word culture the whole time and, and they throw it out there. So Burns, you kind of wanted to ask a question on culture, didn't you? Yeah, well, see, Willie, I, I'd be friendly with a lot of the Kilfiegel lads and the one thing I noticed about you or about Kilfiegel is that even last week now, you went off to the hinges, a kind of abandoned session. Mm. Was that something that you used to do that? Was that something that you were very conscious when you came in that, jeez, even if it's going to a game, coming back in the bus, having a few cans, George, different different ways of doing it, or how did you kind of implement I, uh, it? Or? I'm glad you said culture is thrown around a bit because it is. Yeah. Even in my own professional job, culture for me and my company is everything. Um, and then from a sporting perspective, like culture can be measured in so many different ways. Yeah. But like you look at Limerick winner there, and Deccan was always on about hard work, hard work. Tyrone, hard work. Yeah. All interviews were all hard work. Dublin footballers, they ran about funding, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, are we not working hard enough then? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, it was always, yeah, no, yeah. we work hard. And in fairness to Kilfiegel, that was the one thing that we didn't lack, is hard work. Yeah. And it's the one thing we will always uh, cherish is, yeah. even if we lose, we won't die wondering of not working hard. Yeah. We, we work hard as a team. Yeah. But now we want to kick on to the next level. We want to be able to play good rugby. And the culture in Kilfiegel, like you might know from being in tip, yeah. is there's always an open door policy here. Like if my wife and child came out, it's always welcoming. And yeah, there's a big family yeah. vibe. It's, it's, yeah. it's that yeah. GA culture. And you see it on the hill there on a, on a Sunday or a Saturday, like, it, you know, and it's, 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 it's like it is like I think you hit the, it is a gag club yeah. playing rugby, 100%. It, the arm was put around you. If there's anything that's needed, like I can't make it, whatever, everyone's willing to help out. And if you look at some of the fundraisers, the, the Keep It Moving Challenge in last May, yeah. sensational. Yeah. Everyone, everyone from the club gave a yeah. hand, the bucket that they do, like the amount of players that go out and sell tickets. And then, like, from a team perspective, is like the, you need banter in a dressing room. I've been yeah. in dress rooms where you're walking in and the robots, they're just yeah. sitting down and talking yeah. out. You walk into the Clifical dress room, like the slagging and the slating that goes on, and everyone laughs at it. You're probably right. going to get slagged for podcasting. Yeah, oh, I got slated already for this. <laughs> Speaker in the dress room before training, what's your, what's your opinion on it? I've been in, train, in, in, in changing rooms where before games where somebody's responsible picks the playlist and we listen to a few tunes while we're getting dressed. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm easy. I, again, player-driven, whatever the players want. I'm yeah. open-door policy. I think it'd be cool. Um, yeah. I've been, and now I've been playing games in Dublin and you go to some of these clubs and it's like a rave inside there. Yeah, before yeah, the game, yeah. yeah. Before the game and yeah. then afterwards as well. And look, it, lads, we're all wired differently. Whatever whatever the team want. I'm like, there'll be a few old fellas in our squad. I know for a fact, I won't name them, yeah, but they'll yeah. be grumpy out. Yeah. Then you have a few younger fellas that want pop music and they're yeah. buzzing. And do you know yeah. what? It's just marrying that mix. Yeah, so whatever right, floats yeah. their boat. Yeah, so I think, I think you touched the thing with culture. When we're trying to change a culture in a club, we kind of focus on the 15 boys playing. But I think what you touched on there, Willie, is that culture is actually, it's the greater, it's the whole yeah, club. It it's greater than the boys playing. Mm. Like, listen, the boys are going to work hard. Yeah, Kilfiqil are a real strong club. The 15 boys who play will, will do their best or whatever. So it's about marrying and involving, the, I suppose, the wider community. And that's where the culture comes from. And uh, you could, you do really see when you're out here in Kilfiegel, yeah? Go on. Yeah. No, just on the culture, it just came to me like last night. Like there was a text from the WhatsApp. Can some of the senior players go down and help with underage? Yeah. And I saw photos on Instagram. And a few of the senior players went down and helped out. Like that to me, everyone buys into the, the ethos of the club. We yeah. want to help out. We've an, we've like when I came out here two years ago, there was a few three or four under 18s, and I was like, Jesus. 
could we bring them up and help them out and come into the seniors? And now they're starting for us every yeah. week. Yeah. And we've more 18s coming yeah. through from this year's batch. And we, Chile does work in the gym with the 18s and he coaches them as well and helps out. And they're starting to come to junior, senior training, whatever you want to call it. And we want that conveyor belt of three or four every single year coming through. Yeah. And we want, like, we want that culture to be, well, if I'm the 18s coach and I'm playing with the 18s, if I'm good enough, I'm going up with the team next year. Yeah. Do you know, it, it adds a buzz That's to That's what we're club. going to speak about next week as well, is about, yeah. uh, is about transition from juvenile to the senior mm-hmm. club. And I think you're right. And, and then those players know well what the standard is when they come into that senior setup. But I think you're right. And I think people underestimate as well senior players going down to juvenile because there will be under 8s, under 10s, under 12s, whatever, and even under, up to under 16s. And Willie or Chili or whatever, Lowry, whoever it is, mm. will be walking around before the game with the gear bag. And there will be young fellas going, yeah. there's Willie, there's Willie, there's Chili. You know what? Like, yeah. like, like you're, when, you, when you're involved in a club under age, you do look up to the to the to the senior yes. players like yeah, yeah, as yeah. much as you look up to fucking Brian O'Driscoll or whatever yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Big time. So I th- I think that's I think that's massive yeah, um, yeah Danny was going to or Danny was going to chat a little bit about his own coaching style as well before we went yeah go on yeah then. so um, I suppose with my own coaching style it's very easy to look at the positives and enjoy a good mm-hmm. run of form and enjoy good training and the banter is good. But my own coach style, I like. I didn't. I suppose it's not a good thing. But I like to look at the negative sometimes. So mm. after a match, did, like we could have lost a couple of balls, not winning headers, we could have just not conceded, or we could have conceded from a corner or whatever. So myself, Burnsy, and Brenton Jewick were the management team at the time, and we used to meet up every Monday. And one thing I liked to point out was, uh, lads, I don't think we won enough headers. I don't. I think we conceded from corners. So focus on mm. the negatives. And then what we do then on the Tuesday and Thursday is that we'd uh, talk about that and we'd. In, implement drills then to try and help it mm. and we actually started to notice a bit of a difference then the girls they started winning headers we started scoring from corners you know mm, yeah. so I suppose my question for you then Willie is do you focus on the negative sometimes and, and what way do you like to, to reverse them then yeah, and try and turn it into positives no it's a good one um, like it's amazing it's junior rugby right but I was yeah. only going through it the other day we played all Crescent last Saturday a senior team with three divisions above us and I watched the game on the Monday and I reviewed it and a lot of positive. We did a video session on Tuesday night and we reviewed it. We went through the negatives because now don't forget about the positives. Keep working on the positives. If we're still throwing skip passes and putting fellas in for tries, keep working on that. But try and pick three or four negatives that we want to work on. Monday is video session. Tuesday is a team session where you're working on those negatives. Changing a few plays here and there. Do you know what? We missed too many one-on-one tackles. So we're going to do one-on-one tackles. I always try and pick three a week and then eventually that three will become two. And eventually it'll work out, it'll work yeah, out. And yeah. I, that was a really good question because that's, it's, it has to, because on the Tuesday night is you're kind of fixing what didn't work the previous Sunday and then the Wednesday and Thursday you're trying to come up with a plan for the and, team at the weekend. And what's interesting about it is you don't really want to focus on the negative on the group then and no. trying to tell them that, look, you lost a lot yeah. of one and then it's all in their heads. But yeah. Subconsciously what you're trying to do is trying to team improve that yeah. without making a big highlight of it. Yeah, and I just on that, like... If, if a fella makes a one-on-one error, like he knows he did it, yeah, and you just say it to him after, let's work on that you and me Tuesday night. Yeah. Do you know, you're, you're not going to expose him in front of the whole no, team no. because a big thing is confidence. Do you know, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of confidence around here at the moment, and we don't want to create pull that vibe down. Yeah, we're we're a confident team. We know what we're about, but you don't want to expose people. At the end of the day, we all have jobs to go to, and this is just a hobby, and we got to treat it like that as well. Do you yeah. know, I I really like that. There's a lot of growth mindset in that because often when you do something negative in a game, your team will go for. F sake, Fergal, you you should have uh, passed the ball or whatever, but that's that is that is that's a little bit of secret sauce there. So as a coach, I I don't you never really have a coach come to you after the game and kind of go, listen, put it aside. I saw that during the game, and um, we need to work on that. 
I, I, don't ever, I don't ever remember getting a coach like pull me over uh, on a, uh, individually and kind of talk to me about something. So that's, I really like that, yeah. Doing on the Tuesday night is a very good idea. That you're not, you're not succumbed in the whole week. That you're not, it's not in your head though. You start to Tuesday and then... It, it's back to our question on culture. It's honesty. Yeah. Fellas will hold their hand up. I was wrong there. Like last Saturday, I made an error for a try. Put my hand up. Yeah. The week before, another fellow uh, missed the tackle. Put his hand up straight away. Mm. And that's the culture. Honestly, like you'd regret not enabling Felice to put their hand up there, that he'd go into his shell and wouldn't, and then it's eating at him for the week. Yeah. So that's where you go back to it. Yeah, yeah that's great. And we got a great insight into, I suppose, will you do as, uh, yourself as a coach there? And obviously you seem like a very honest guy and, and an open guy and, and you want the boys to drive it on because look, at the end of the day, you're still playing yourself and you're still learning yourself, as you mentioned, right? And that's what it's all about. So. There's a funny dynamic with you in the, in the club here and kind of Danny wanted to talk about it there. Yeah, so I've been a player for a team and I've been a coach for a team, but never a player coach. Mm. So for me, I, I, I find I probably struggled with uh, doing a lot of the coaching, maybe receiving the text messages and receiving the WhatsApps and pulling fellas to the side and then going out and trying to have the banter at the same time. So I, I, I just want a little bit of insight on how do you deal with that or, or do you find it as a challenge? Definitely. Probably the hardest part. Yeah. It definitely is the hardest part. I've always played and then came out here and you're, you're a player coach. Like, and you learn every week about the dynamic and what works. Like, we played Crescent last Saturday. I missed two drop kicks. We were down in the hints and I got an awful slagging. But that's part of it, do you know? But again, there's the other part of it. Then you're like, right, I need to... I'm still a coach as well. Mm. So I kind of had my few points myself and Philly and her older head went inside and had a few points together as well. Do you know, you do have to remove yourself. Yeah. You don't want to get too close to the lads because at the end of the day, I might have to turn around to him next week and say, you're not playing. Yeah. Do you know, and there is that slagging and banter which we need and drive because yeah. that's the culture. We have a, a good culture. But at the same time, you do have to remove yourself because there is all conversations throughout the year. Yeah. Do you know, and you don't want him to be like, I thought we were only messing and slagging, do you know? Yeah. Whereas we were, but at the same time, you didn't play well at the beginning, and yeah. unfortunately, I have to drop you this But that, that's you using your experience. With, yeah. Uh, you know, fellas are going to be in your ear. So you just want to remove yourself a small bit, yeah. have the crack, but you just want to put yourself you back have to, it. You have to, and you can't, like, I'm, I'm friendly with a lot of the lads, to be fair, because I am a player as well. On Sundays, today now, I'm a player, realistically, and the lads will drive it on the sideline and stuff like that. But during the week, with video analysis, like, you have to call out some of the lads that you might be close with and stuff. But that's, you do, you have to pull back. And I don't care what anyone says, because... If I'm too friendly with him, then, you know, not that it's a decision or anything, but like, you, if I'm friendly with you and yet two year, two wingers are going for a position, it, it just gives a poor perception yeah. that I'm too close to yeah, this Yeah, and we're only, we're only human and we'll, we'll yeah. think that there's, there, that you're, there's favouritism there. And, 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 and sometimes I, I'm going to say there might, there could be a small element, of, you know, but like, so do you, do you think there's more pressure on your own game then because you're a coach like rather than being just a player like do you think that look number one for me is getting my own game right yeah 100% yeah. like the, the warm up Chile would like the warm up with PJ or whatever and then the lads PJ and Ted and them would be on the sideline and I'm playing and I'm in game mode because as an out half you're kind of the orchestrator yeah. you, you, know, you can run the game from there yeah. you know, and I like playing because you're, you're in charge of so much you yeah. know? Um, but then it's the, it's, it's the balance as well though. like you know like we have our captain and Jack and you have to be able to I don't want to go into the huddle and start giving out the whole time because I'm a player as well Yes. but then straight away after the game we'll have our meeting oh so you have a different captain yeah I'm not captain you're not captain no, so you're a player coach and Jack yeah. is like oh, okay yeah, yeah that's, that's a funny no yeah. it's probably the toughest thing I've done because do you like that do you think that dynamic works like or? oh definitely yeah. like, I wouldn't 
ever like to be the captain. So I does that allow that. you to kind of remove yourself yeah. on the pitch then a little 100%, bit? Like, 100%, yeah. and Jack will talk to the referee and he'll... And it's, listen, there's yeah. a lot of leaders. You know a lot of the players. A lot of them are leaders in their own right with, yeah. with GA, hurling football, yeah. with soccer, whatever. So in that way, we're blessed. And I do try and just be, become a player. And I say my few bits at half time, as yeah. with other players. Do you know, they yeah. all chip in. Do you know? And do you find playing out half... Kinda, are you effectively the coach on the field then because you can see yeah. everything do you know what that's a good point it yeah. is like that because yeah. most of halves if you look at like Ireland Johnny Sexton yeah. like, you'd see him barking out orders all day he's the general like yeah. NFL Tom Brady he's calling the plays it's the same at rugby at junior level senior level professional they'll have mainly calls the plays and executes them and that's yeah. Kind of your coaching role yeah, as well, yeah. in a way, you've yeah, coaching that Best position to coach best, from, yeah. like, to be honest, you get to see everything. You see yeah. a lot with the forwards, you see a lot with the backs, and then you have the video to come in on the, on the Monday yeah, morning I'd, as well. I'd have to be wondering, like, do you think like a hooker or a prop could be a coach, a player coach as well? Like, yes, yeah. for me, from no, you, you definitely you know, could, definitely could, yeah. definitely could. I think for me, as an old half down through the years, like what I learned, what I know now, I'd love to know 10 years yeah. ago yeah. as a player, as a young fella coming through. Yeah. But because you've so much experience, like game management is the hardest thing as an old half. Yeah. But game management is kind of like a coach as well. You're mm. trying to tell the lads what to do, which is kind of like a coach. Yeah, exactly. You're trying to put the people in the right positions and enable fellas to make decisions on the field. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of like the coach on Tuesday yeah. night as well. You know? Yeah, 100%. No, it is a cliche if I knew now. Knew yeah. now if hindsight. I, yeah, hindsight and all the rest of it. But it, like, it actually is, it is true, like, you know, when you get when you get a bit older and I suppose it's nearly the wrong way around, isn't it? You start to lose the legs a little bit when you get older, but you have the brain and you yeah, lose the legs yeah. like you nearly like That's to have, giant, Yeah, you like to have both of them at the same time, like, you know. But uh, look, obviously two thousand and nineteen twenty, before the, the world changed, uh you had a, a huge win. Uh junior all Ireland uh, uh champions. All right. But what I want to know about was there a turning point in that season where you kind the penny dropped and you said Lads, I really feel it. We're onto something here. Because for myself, I remember being part of a season before where we lost five games, opening games in the trot. And then we were down on a Tuesday night in the club. There was only 10 boys at training. It was a poor turnoff for training. Or it was 10 or 12 of us and we had like a six-a-side close contact game. And lads were just busting each other. Like. And for me, we went on and we won 10 games on the trot after that. Which is something we, I don't think we, we in my, my time in the club, we, we'd ever done. Like, it was, it was 10 games winning streak is, is huge. Like. But um, that, was, that was cup competitions now, lads, and, and, and league competitions. But I actually said to lads, I pin it back to that, that Tuesday night. Now, not everybody was there. There was only 10 or 12 boys. But you could just feel it in there, the vibe. Fellas were annoyed at losing. And, and there was something changing, there was something changing in the water, basically, is, is the way I can put it. So was there a turning point in that season where you kind of felt... Lads, we're onto something here. I'll try and bring it back. Right? Was it a game? Was it training? It was probably a couple of games. Um, if I bring it right back, I came out in July and we did pre-season July and August and there was a lot of work to be, to be done, fitness-wise, skills-wise and all that. But I had watched Kilfiekel previously because I'd known, I'd known the club, uh, yeah. my family, my mother's from town the road or whatever. Yeah. So I had known the club, I'd been to a few games and I knew they were a very, very good team and I knew I could add value. And I'm not being any way arrogant than that, but I knew it could have um, value at our half. Yeah. Fine big packs, some lovely backs. And then we had a good pre-season and we had our trip to the Hinge again. More so you saw a bit of potential, like, like, an, like an entrepreneur. Like, you yeah, know, I, like, <laughs> I don't know about that because I, <laughs> I was hesitant to come out. I was like, geez, an hour yeah. out from Limerick every Tuesday and Thursday yeah, and Sunday. It's a big commitment. <laughs> it like, is. Um, so but, sorry, William. Yeah. No, but I then we played Young Monsters. They asked us to come in for a game and... 
I can see the club were a bit hesitant because they were five, six divisions above us. And I know their coach, George Slattery, and he said, come in and play us. And we went in and played them with 14 players going in. And this, this is just what I have to get used to from junior because GA takes over from yeah. June to September. And that's fine. I encourage less to play GA because skill set, fitness, everything. Yeah. We went in and played them and we got another fellow to play. And we played 50. Now we lost by six tries. It was 8-2 on tries. But it was the best learning curve we've ever had. One, this is the standard we need to get to. Yeah. This is the commitment levels. We had lads dribbling and driving coming out onto the field 20 minutes before kickoff, and your munches were over there with 30 lads doing an intense warm up. Yeah. And I knew what we were in for, but at the same time, we're not wearing a hiding to nothing, but it was a steep learning curve. I think lads woke up a small bit and were like, we have a lot of work to do. Then we got on a bit of a roll in the league, and I, I was trying to give the lads confidence. I was kind of like saying, I think we can win the league. And they were like, oh, I don't know, this team and that team. And I'm just like, no, we can win the league, yeah. you know, and I'm not being arrogant in any shape or form because the standard of the league is pretty good, but I knew the lads, they just were starved of success. They lost the Ireland final two years ago. It broke their hearts. You could see it in them. They won the Challenge Cup in 2017. If they didn't turn into bad players over no, the exactly. players at Exactly. Like, it's a small, bit, players, small bit of tightening up a few things here and there and a bit of confidence. Yeah. We went in a bit of a, a winning spree. We beat Tormund, we beat Clan, um, we beat St. Sennans, and then the confidence started getting going and fellas started getting a bit of pep in their step. Yeah, yeah. But the big difference for me was we played Wicklow out here in October and Galway weekend in 2019. They were a Leinster team, very strong team. They beat Kilfiegel by 50 points the year before up in Wicklow. And we beat them well. And the next professional player playing with them as well. He was with Connacht and Harlequins and all that. And I think it just gave our fellas, do you know what? We're not bad. Yeah. We can actually have a go yeah. off this. Kept winning, kept winning, kept winning. Then Kilkenny came to town, beat them as well. And next minute we're in Ireland semi-final and we beat Newcastle West then, which was kind of like a season-defining team. Mm -hmm. One and two, two top teams. And we had a lot of confidence, and then we beat Ashburn. So my point, the answer to the question is definitely the either the Munsters game and the Wicklow game, just to give us confidence. Yeah. Uh, but then the sad part of it about it is we're going so well. We won the Art Ireland, we're, we won the league, and we're shut down on the fifth of March. Yeah. It would have been it, it kills me because we could have we could be senior now. Yeah. Do you know if the club want to go senior, I'd like to go senior. Um, and we. So I'm going, I'm going to go straight into now, right? Go Probably on. a question. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> We're all asking in Clan and maybe over in Cashel and maybe on Galbally, like we're going to be nosy here. So, you, look, you're not, I, you're not the chairman. Look, you're not. You can't give the definitive, definitive answer. But is the aspiration to go senior? Is For, it a possibility? I mean, I mean, there's a few pound put into this gym here. I'm looking around the place. There is a few pound in the club, like. <laughs> There is, but that's like the players all drove that like for fundraising and to get all the equipment and get all the goes back to the culture. Back to the culture. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. player driven. It really is, and I mean that like underage sorting out the gym fundraisers, always player driven. Do we want to go senior? A hundred percent for me. Yeah. Like I want to be the first coach in Clifford to bring him senior. So that's my aspiration. Yeah, yeah. And not only that, I think the lads could do well. Now the only carrot, not a good carrot, is you're only playing for the league really to go up to two B. Do you know, yeah. your derby games are, obviously you have Clamel, Sunday as well, Middleton, but at the same time, when you're a junior, and some of the Alakadoos here would rather stay junior because they love it. And yeah. there's four trophies every year to win yeah. playing junior. Whereas when you go up to that level, the only trophy you can win is getting promoted. And there's Oma, there's a lot of teams up the north, cast overnight stays, yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah. but there's talks from the other few that they're going to regionalise below division one. So like, You'll be playing the Cashins, the Ninas, the Bruffs and all that as well, which we, we, I'd love that. Yeah. I'd love to get up and do that. Like, take last year, we beat Bruff in the Senior Cup, we got beaten by Shannon here, uh, which is a huge jump for us. And then we played our Crescent and lost by three points and we're missing six or seven from their Ireland final team. Do you know? So yeah. you're saying the gap actually isn't that high? That the gap no, and it, I'd like to bring this up. Like, I think 10 years ago, a senior, a senior seconds team, right, playing the Junior Cup, 
would be expected to beat a junior team. Right. That okay, makes sense. Yeah, yeah junior so one. Yeah, the first team. Yeah. Would be expected. Second team would be expected to beat a Kilfiegel or a Clan. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's when I was playing. Like that's just the way it was. But now I feel like there's no way we should be sticking with Old Crescent by three points for 80 minutes. Like they should be beating us yeah. by a lot more. We stuck with Shannon for 70 minutes. They pulled away. They were fitter and stronger. I get that. But definitely, I think the gap from a junior level has closed massively in 10 years. Why? We can go into it, but at the same time, I just think if we if it went regional, I think we'd do very well in a Munster senior league yeah. without the big boys. If it went regional, like, if it was national, I know what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, it's yeah. just the cost of the club. Lads. Every time you go to the north, it's six grand when you go into the north for an overnight stay between buses, meals, all that stuff. Now, I'll be honest, I'd be worried about that from a Clan William perspective, and I'm just going to say it straight up because I feel mm. like that would take a lot of the top rugby players from the town playing with Kilfiegel. But look, listen, there is a lot of boy. I suppose you have to... Look, Clan William is the town team, but there is a lot of lads from the Tipperary town playing with Kilfiegel, so maybe the, the two clubs... Well, if, are, if, if, no, if you look no. at Cashel and Clamell yeah. and Nina, like, I'm sure they had reservations. Yeah. Brough had reservations when they went up. But, yeah. like, they've all kicked on, yeah. realistically, like, you know? So, yeah. listen, we'll cross that bridge next, uh, next March. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I Look, listen, look... Look, I suppose from an outside perspective, you have to, you know, really respect what you what you've done, and you know, more power to you and all the rest of it, and, and hopefully, you know, you'll make that decision. You'll do what's best for the club in the end, like. Exactly. And fellas will will and whoever's on the committee will put their two cents yeah, to that, like exactly. you know. But uh, Danny, you wanted to chat about something there, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So um, we were just talking about the the final there, and uh, my question, I suppose, is, we're pl- you're playing the final, right? I watched the interview after the match. You said it was going to be uh, a. a not, not many points between the two teams it's going to be a small margin of points yeah. so when your decision process what's, what was your decision process around the drop goals I mm-hmm. feel like they came at important times there, there, there weren't conversions there weren't tries you, you, cho- you chose drop goals in them moments what was going through your mind at the time and, and what kind of ex- what, what level of experience was going through your body at the time when you were just trying to make those decisions no that's fair um, if I go back to the two drop goals um I felt when we held onto the ball against Ramore, we were doing damage. So my theory was, every time we get up there, we got to come away with points. Because we were only two or three points ahead. Drop goal, we're five points ahead. And I felt, I kept, kept the ball in front of our pack, kept going forward, three points. It's like, if you're in the opposition team and you're winning the score, and next minute they're coming up along and it's three points, it's a nail in the coffin. And the thing outside of this conversation is, a drop goal is worth three points. It's a lot of points in a game. Yeah, it is, yeah. For yeah. something that... Now it's a skill, but at the same time, it's like teams have to work so hard. I th- no, I think it's. I actually think a drop goal is a, a really difficult skill. So I don't want you to undersell yourself there. No, like okay, it is a fair. Very it, is, skill. it is a tough skill, but at yeah. the same time, like pen- penalties are given in rugby, and you should work. You might have to go through ten phases yeah. to get a penalty. Get a penalty yeah. Yeah. And like I just think, like go back to the World Cups in '95, Joel Strancy, Johnny Wilkinson, like work, like drop goals win win games, and yeah. we won by four points, four two points. drop goals, and six points. Do you know, like it's it's totally undervalued in my opinion. What was going through my head is just keep the scoreboard ticking over, because I've been on been on the other side whereby another out half was getting drop goals, and you're looking at going, right, we're down six points. We need to get back up there, and it's just it's that extra step in the mountain that you have to climb, mm-hmm. and thankfully we got there in the end with them, you know. Yeah. And I think as well with, with with the drop goals, you get you have the opportunity to get in possession again mm-hmm. after. So it's like goes back to what you're saying. We're going to t- keep the scoreboard ticking over, and we could get possession again. Like you said, you, your thing was to keep onto the ball. Yeah. Like because to be fair, their backs looked a little bit silky. Now I watching a couple of them now. I'm not Spot saying on. your bags weren't silky, but 
Borky's more like up to centre. You know, there was yeah. one point he nearly he bounced off three fellas. I was like, who is this man? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so he's a really strong player. But Again, they did look a bit more silky, like you know. They were very, very good, and I'd say if they went senior, they'd have no problem as well. Yeah, you know, they're a very good side, but they got hit just like us with COVID. They were going to be in the round robin. Their backs were electric, but that's we kind of had a chat at half time. Players driven again. I go back to it, and the lads were saying, "Just hold on to the ball," because I was kicking away a lot of ball because I was trying to play territory. Yeah. But I was looking down at your man, going, "Oh my God, this fellow's lightning!" So yeah. we just said at half time, "Hold on to the ball," and the second half was brilliant. It was actually probably a game. I, I hated the first half because I got booed for forty minutes by their crowd, and the second forty was just amazing to play in front of the pack. We're just rumbling on. We're holding on to the ball, and I was just like, "Right, three points." And how were, were you reacting to the boos and stuff like that? What was going like we were playing? And the match? It was probably the most hostile game I've ever played in. Really? Yeah. Yeah. If you watch it, you can see some of the hand signals coming into me. Did I miss a kick? I kicked the ball out in the full, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is <laughs> this is yeah. tough." Like that was that that our Ireland final was tougher than some of the promotion games I played in with Navin. We played cash in a promotion game to get up to Division One B, and that Ireland final was way tougher. And I put more pressure on myself as a coach as well, yeah. realistically. Of course, yeah. But at the same time, it was just the intensity of it, the crowd. It was like it was like Galatasaray or someone like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were just like there <laughs> was boom, talking, yeah. there were jeering, yeah. everything. There was it. There was a tension there, wasn't there? Oh, you was, were, yeah. were you at a performance? Yeah, I was at a chat. So yeah, from a from a crowd perspective, what was it yeah, like? Yeah, like look, obviously everyone from town was there. Like, yeah. you, know, you were meeting people that you know, and it's yeah, whatever a bit up the road. But one thing that struck me about it, Willie, was that I remember you conceded. And I remember lads coming in and there was no shouting, no roaring. I remember... Is that coming in half time, is it? No, just coming in after you conceding a oh, score yeah. or whatever. And Dermot O'Donnell said they don't want to know about it up front. And I just thought it was a real kind of... Um, there was no one saying, you missed that tackle yeah. or you did this or you did that. It was just a real kind of, right, let's, let's um, just relax now again yeah. and let's just go, a, go... It has to be it. a big thing, Burnsy. It has to be big because we've, we've, we've big characters in our team. Yeah. We have yeah. big characters. Yeah, you and do, yeah. I don't like... Once or twice during the season, someone lets off, do you know, and yeah. that's fine. I might let off on a Tuesday night if the standards aren't met. That's grand. But like, even when we conceded against, we conceded two tries against Crescent last weekend. It was grand. We go again, yeah. and that was it. Was the most memorable moment of the Ireland final when they scored early. Like we just went under the post, right? That's this is what we're doing. And that's next. exactly when it was. And yeah, off yeah, we go again. Yeah, do you yeah, know, there's yeah. no panic, and that's that takes a while to instill in the team as yeah. well because. Like I've played in teams before and you should have done this and you should have done that and it was just pure calm and I'm proud of that that we have yeah. that calm. I suppose you have to accept that you are going to concede points yeah, and you are going exactly. to concede it. So you've instilled that look, we yeah. will we will do it, but we had yeah. how we react to doing it. Exactly. Strategy I, to go back and get points. I think what you've done here, Willie, to be honest with you, and I've it underlined there is the talent was here, right? The mm. gym is here, the lovely pitch, big community. But I think you just gave the boys the belief, really, like, you know, and uh, not to blow smoke over your, up your backside or anything, but, I mean, I think when you're playing in a rugby team, from my own experience, and you have a 10 that's calm, that's cool, that's collective, that, you know, knows what's needed at, at a certain point in the game, it does give you a lot of confidence. I suppose it's a bit like playing, I suppose, in soccer, when you know you have a keeper behind you, that's great. It's a similar kind of thing, like, you know that whatever happens here... You know, we are going to have a, a platform to play from, like, you know, and we're not going to be too far behind. And I suppose in the game, you were a little bit behind most of the game. So I watched the highlights last night. Uh, but you never you never lost the belief, like, so that I, th I think it really came from your belief in your own ability. I, I wish I had that belief 10, 12 years ago. I really did, just as a young fella. Just getting worked up before games, wound up, trying to, trying to plot out the game in your head. And just experience comes with it as well, like the back to our question, like you just, nowadays we just have our plan, we've done our work on a Thursday night, we back ourselves, we rock up here, we'll have a bit of a laugh, and then half one, 
quarter to two, quick meeting, and we're out on the field. Do you think that's where the belief? That's where the belief comes from. Experience, the, yeah, those yeah. steps. Yeah, because I've been involved in teams, and you said a while ago there, you were saying I was saying every night that we're going to win the league, and lads are kind of turning around. Now I've been in that position mm. where I've been telling lads, and you know more often than not, like you do believe it, but sometimes it's a bit of a what you call a, a facade or whatever, yeah, and you're yeah. kind of sad, and you're kind of yeah. saying you're saying it because you don't want them to think that you don't believe it. If that yeah, makes yeah, sense, yeah. do you know what I mean? No, I just I like. I knew, I knew the culture was here, I knew the players were here, and again, it's just a few fine little tweaks here and there, and a bit of belief, like, you, you chat away to a few of them, oh, we've this crowd at the weekend, oh, they beat us 10 years ago down there, and I'm like, and, do you know, who cares, like, do you know, it's all about here and now, and we've done so much work in the off-season that we have to back ourselves, and belief is the big thing, I'm just, like, going into Crescent last weekend, like, we had, like, the backline was very young, outside of myself, do you know, yeah. young fellas coming through yeah. the 18s the last yeah. two years, going into yeah. playing a, a Division 2A team, like three divisions above us, and we held our own for 80 minutes. Like, that's, that'll stand to them so much, in my yeah, opinion. They get a lot of encouragement from that massive, going forward. Massive, and, and those are great learnings for them. And Yeah, belief, as we said, it's, it's a massive t- thing in a team, and, and uh, I think Burnley touching it. There's a difference between thinking you're believing but actually believing yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I, I don't know where that comes from it, it's yeah. throughout the whole season or it's, it's the sum of a lot of different things isn't it yeah. but uh, that's great uh, uh, Willie uh, cheers for that but we kind of touched on the difference between senior and junior you kind of did you any, do you any actually do yeah. you want to add anything else there it, it, difference it's, between it's, senior it's junior a good, it's a good question and I suppose there's a few different points in it for me there's obviously this, the easy ones the physicality and the fitness they're the big ones but if you just go kind of the off-field stuff, it's something that I'm still getting used to. Like, if we're training here at half seven, I've lads drifting in at half seven, 28. You might see it yourselves with GA or soccer. Yeah. But in a senior club, if you're training at seven, you're there at half six. Yeah, yeah. You're tired, you're doing your rehab, you're doing your kicking, you're doing your line-out, you're doing your passing. So there's that mindset. And also, like, if you take senior clubs, like, because I'm friendly with two coaches in your monsters with the senior team and two fellas in Gary Owen, and they have an army behind them. And we still have an army behind us. But like they've they've three two or three managers, you know, they have a massive coaching ticket, they've physios, they've video analysis, you know. There's it's just everything is just so plotted out. I'm coming out from Limerick, Chile will give a hand, a few lads will give a hand bringing out the pads and the cones and all that and the bibs and stuff. And I did that's that's what I like as well. We're a small club, we don't have the resources like that. Yeah. So that's a big difference with the manpower behind the senior teams mm. and just the punctuality and the commitment. Like I can come out here on a Tuesday night and I don't know how many I'm gonna have. Now we have it in the WhatsApp group, we're trying to push that from the lads to say, are you coming or not? And why aren't you coming? I'm working, I'm training, the cat's up the tree, I don't know. But just let us know, be accountable for your actions. So that's another hard part, whereas I know in the senior clubs, there's no message going out on a Tuesday night. They're there at half six. Yeah. And if you're not there... There's no thumbs up in a group. Exactly. Like, yeah, you know. They're there. You don't have to go up with that. Yeah. And then just like, like, the gap is closing. I really mean that the gap is definitely closing. Um, take last weekend for us. Uh, but it's just it's the off field stuff and the manpower stuff is, is a big one. So yeah, that's 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 great. Really t- so yeah, I I think as well. Yeah, definitely it's closing. Uh, watching a few games there and things like that for sure. But um, where I wanted to go with this was uh, yeah, I think what's great about yourself and your your career path as well is there's success can be got in different areas and different places, and obviously you came from. You know, senior rugby down to junior rugby, but you found success in junior rugby, like, mm. and you've ch- achieved something huge out here, like. So yeah. achieve achievement can be done in lots of different 
ways, lots of different sports, lots of different platforms. So achieving something doesn't always have to be at the highest level. What you've done here in Kofikla is huge. It's been huge for the community. And I'm sure this win, I won't ask you because it might be, but I'm sure this win really ranks up there in terms of medals you have. 100%, 100%. Obviously, 2007, one day, that was big, but I wasn't on the squad. I was on a squad. I played a couple of games. But it's a different buzz when you're starting and you're playing and you've given your all. Uh, so it's definitely like because I, I put more pressure on myself as a coach. I think yeah. every one of us would. Mm. Uh, so it meant an awful lot to me. I was actually very emotional after that game. Yeah, you could see it in the interview a little bit. Yeah, like you were kind of you know, well enough. The, the booing, and then my parents were there, and yeah. my brother was there, and his kids, yeah. and I was just like, it was just meant an awful lot because to be honest, we, we broke our balls. Yeah, you training did, yeah, for it, like you yeah. know, because the heartbreak from 2018 it was an emotional time for the club as well, and to lose that. It hurt them. Yeah. I could I could see it in them. It hurt them. But like if you're speaking of achievements, like yeah, I've won whatever. I've won a few trophies here and there. But the achievements, like the, there's other achievements as well that aren't there. It's like watching lads grow and develop. Yeah. Like I have young fellas out there that didn't say boo to a ghost two years ago. Yeah. Now they're alive and sold the dressing room. I've lads out there that couldn't pass off the left and right. I've lads out there that are one fit and now they're very fit. Yeah. They're all achievements that I take away. Like if I walked away in the morning, I'm like right there it is. Lads can play ball now. Lads understand rugby. They understand shape. They understand the game. That's success as well. Like I don't want to walk away with their trophies and then Kilfiekel fall off a cliff. Build for the future. The aims are coming through. The lads understand the game of rugby that they can like they can help out. Like we like we've two million talk at times. (laughs) Yeah, too many voices. Too many voices at times. But at the same time, lads are getting it. If you bring in a new play or a different type of shape across the field, lads will understand it. And they'll ask the right questions. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, it was just, I was in, I was just trying to get my feet under the ground and it was just implemented. But now they're pushing back on me, which I like. Yeah. Driving you on as well. Like, me, yeah, so I'm learning yeah, more yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So it works both ways, which I like. Yeah. So yeah, but I suppose, look, that kind of links in again. You play with lots of teams there. You've, you've, you've played with lots of fantastic players. Uh, you might name drop as well because you play with a couple of big names, but we don't mind a bit of that. Um, yeah, so before, before yeah. we go, before oh, we sorry, Daniel. Yeah. Uh, actually, we have a couple of messages that were sent into the Instagram page, okay? And again, thanks to everyone for getting in touch, uh, getting, your, getting your questions in. Lots of uh, really, really good questions, but we're only whittling it down to one or two because we don't want to take up too much of your all, time. All PG, I hope. All <laughs> PG, yeah. No, there was a couple there was of, a of random yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah we we we'll we'll after. There's a couple of messages if we tracked them back, they went back to Ula, I think, in places oh, like that. So <laughs> I won't, I won't leave those messages out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh, go on, Dick. Yeah, go on, so, Willie, yeah, we're just wondering. We say your sevens team. I know oh, we're kind of chatting about it there a while ago. So, like, I suppose, obviously, you've played with, with high-ranking players or whatever it is. So maybe if you had a kind of a club, club sevens team, maybe that that yeah. you played it. I, like every club I've played with like the backs were excellent yeah. there's no like the Gary Owen team we had in 2007 was excellent the Young Monsters team in 2010 with Mike Prendergast was excellent like like I, I, I pushed the question back in the year am I picking a team to go to Kinsale sevens in the piss or am I picking a team that <laughs> we want to go to the Olympics with this yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like there's, there's some serious yeah, no, players like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. the six boys that you want around you you're going into a big game, I suppose. Because yeah. like, it doesn't have to be the, the six fastest boys like for rugby. It's, yeah. it's more, less about rugby seven, yeah. but more about who are the six boys you're bringing into battle with yourself. Yeah. You can count on. Okay, Jesus, I'm caught here now at this moment. Um, I'm just going to go through a couple that come off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, there was actually, Dermot McCarthy was a guy, he was super talented, he played Irish sevens, and he's not playing anymore now, but he played out here for a year or two, and he was definitely one of the best players I've ever played with. 
and if you go with some of the players that we played with, like in Gary Ohm and Keith Earls in the wing, Kieran O'Boyle was in the wing, Ronan O'Man, he was with Munster. Like they're all players that you give them the ball, they'll get you out of a hole. Yeah. They just they had it. But Dear McCarthy, when he played in the Munsters, like we went up to play Lansdowne in our AIL semi final in the Aviva, and like Lansdowne had a few of their top stars, like Tom Daly's with Connacht now, Tom Farrell, Keane Kelleher, big names. Mm. And Dear McCarthy just wiped the floor with all of them. And it was it was a joy to watch. Now he's not playing, which is unfortunate at the moment. Another guy who we played was kick off both feet. I think he plays with the senior football with a had and now with Jerry Hurley. He was with Munster for a while as well. Superly gifted. Um, forwards wise then, sevens pairs, I don't know. <laughs> um, Mike Sherry coaching Gary Owen at the moment. A very, very good player. Uh, could be a back row. Jerry Slattery is coaching your Munster at the moment. Again, another fellow who was, got a few caps at Munster and kind of great liner operator. He actually came out here and gave us a hand once or twice with the hookers that we have as well. So, And we'll be doing the same again this year. Uh, and then, I suppose, Paul Neville and James O'Neill. Paul Neville was captain of Gary Owen when they won the four trophies, which is kind of unheard of. Uh, he, he'd be a fine sevens player and very good leader as well. And then James O'Neill is another fellow who I kind of had a good relationship with in your Munsters, Terry York, and actually he was coaching me in Navin as well, funny enough. Yeah. So they're the type of players that... It looks like you're after drawing yourself back things. A lot of experience and a lot of... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, they're just the players that, like, as you said, if you're going into battle, they're the types of fellas that you might look for. Yeah. You know, because, Counting. yeah, counts them. Cam under the post when yeah. you concede, uh, being around the block, experienced, and yeah. good lads in the piss as well. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. And what's interesting there as well, uh, Willie, and uh, you might have been in, in, in the same board as well, is you've named a lot of players there that could have made the extra step or made mm. the grade. So that brings us back, I suppose, to the, the theme of this podcast is, look, we want to provide advice for amateur sport. Like I said before, guys, 95% of people involved in sport are involved at an amateur level and 95% of the media is, is on professional sports. So, look, success can be gotten lots of different places, you know, and as I said, you're here out now in Clifigal and you've done something class out here and really massive for the community. But Danny, you wanted to sign us out there with, um, you'd said so somebody had something to say about Willie was it or, or that, yeah? Yeah, we have a player testimony on um, Chili Hogan got in touch. And oh. uh, I know you actually travelled out with him in the car. You probably didn't mention it yet, but we do have a, a voice note that we want to show you. Now, we're not going to play it to you now. We yeah. are, we'll play it to you when it's off, but what we'll do is we'll actually add it in at the end of the podcast. Perfect. So when it's edited, at least we can all have a listen to it. I do. And uh, I think you're very well respected out here. I think a lot of lads... Uh, are really, really just delighted that you're part of the team. And like you said there, sometimes it's not always about coming home with the middle in the pocket. If a fella can walk around with his chest held high and his shoulders back because he's after improving in the last year or two, that's just as much success um, as, as, as winning medals is sometimes. So um, we will play that clip for you, but we won't play that. Yeah, cheers, Willie. Thanks very much for that, guys. And the usual crack, uh, comment on the, on the podcast on Instagram. All Absolutely, right, guys, yeah. send in your questions for, for next week's guest. Uh, like, comment, and subscribe, or whatever it is. Is that is that, is that the chat, Danny? I don't know. That's you're the you're, you're, the, in, you're the, the social media guy around here, so yeah. So thanks very much, guys, for uh, uh, sharing our our, um, our podcast. It got up into ninety sixth place in the Irish charts uh, last week. So look, long may it go on, and um, thanks very much. Cheers, Anthony. Cheers, Cheers. Thank, Cheers. thank you. Have you that with you? What role did he play? Well, I suppose like when we first heard that he was managing us and coming out. I didn't really know much about him, as in his brother trained us before, John Staunton. So we were kind of, look, we knew we were there or thereabouts maybe two, three years beforehand. We had obviously lost the All-Ireland final to Ashbourne in 2018, and we were probably just missing that little piece of the jigsaw. Now, I won't say it was just obviously Willie Staunton that was the missing piece and that everything was around him, but he kind of just brought this kind of 
ethos and work ethic and just this professionalism from being obviously with the senior clubs before and you kind of try to instill that into us as a club and into us as players. So I think if you ask me what role did he play, he just kind of got us all believing that we could win leagues and win all Ireland. Like I wasn't just off the, kind of off the cuff kind of saying, oh, lads, we could actually do this. People actually started believing it. So I think that would have been a huge role that he played when he came out. Um, as I say, we all know his rugby ability, whether it be his drop goals, kicking the touch, his game management from out half. But what people probably wouldn't have seen is, and especially as people know, especially playing rugby, when it comes to the winter nights, the floodlights are on, it's pissing rain. You're inside the dressing room before going out and you're saying, Jesus, what am I doing this for? But it was kind of, Willie could kind of just get the team in the dressing room and band us all together and say, look, lads, we'll get out, we'll do this now, a good hour, whatever the session may be, and we get going. So people obviously would have only seen us, we'll say on a Saturday or Sunday playing matches, and it would have been like, oh yeah, that's Willie Staunton, blah, blah, blah. But from behind the Tuesday and the Thursday nights, but say behind the floodlights when they were turned off, when everyone was going away, it was just his ability to be able to get us all in together and all working off the same hymn sheet. And especially, we'll say, when we were, um, if we made a mistake, it was none of this fucking effing and blinding or throwing the ties out of the pram. It was all just, look, maybe if you try this this way, it will work a lot better. There was no fucking hell, Chili, what are you doing? Like, you're pure stupid. It was all, look, just Chili, I think this could work this way. And I think that was what he brought to the team big time, just believing that we could do it and just helping us all out.